Welcome to another edition of the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance podcast series. To learn more about the Depression and Bipolar Support Alliance, visit us at dbsalliance.org. Welcome to the DBSA Wellness Wheel podcast. My name is Maria. And I'm Hannah. And we're here to dive deeper into our new resource, the DBSA Wellness Wheel. In the Wellness Wheel podcast, Maria and I will discuss the challenges you might face in each area of the Wellness Wheel if you live with depression or bipolar, and we will discuss our own experience of the Wellness Wheel. Our wheels are far from perfect, so we look forward to learning along with our community as we expand the idea of what wellness is. After reflecting on our own experience, we will formulate some questions to ask our expert who will end our episode with some reliable evidence-based information. This month, we're exploring occupational wellness. Uh, In DBSA's Wellness Wheel, occupational wellness helps us see how depression and bipolar can affect our working life and environment. For example, depression symptoms include losing interest in things we typically enjoy and, and, and find fulfilling. And bipolar might affect our ability to focus on tasks. Today, we will sit down with our expert, Alexandra Kopak, to discuss occupational wellness. But first, Maria, how's your occupational wellness? <laughs> well, I'm fortunate for, for many, many reasons. Um, but in, in this case, working uh, for DBSA, an organization that looks out for, for people with uh, depression and bipolar disorder uh, in the workplace and, and outside of the workplace. So um, just that alone, that backbone, that mission means I'm at, I'm, I'm at a really good place. I think my favorite part about um, DBSA about working there is the peer support that we, we have in our office that we're able to give one another um, when I've felt overwhelmed with a project or, you know, whatever's going on at work. Um, other staff, whether it be one-on-one or in a group standing at the, you know, quote-unquote water, water cooler, um, I've received peer support to help, you know, ground me again. How about you at DBSA? Yeah, absolutely. I am so lucky to work at DBSA and I'm so lucky to be your coworker. Um, I started, <laughs> yes, the, the best part. Um, started there three and a half-ish years ago and I started as a contractor. Um, so I was very lucky to move into a permanent position there because when I started as a contractor, I was just observing, you know, all the other staff and and kind of the culture that was created there. And I really felt at home. Um, You know, before that I had worked at organizations where it felt like the mission of the organization didn't necessarily match kind of the culture of the organization. And when you're someone who's interested, you know, in that nonprofit work in that space, you really want, you know, to work at an organization that, practices what they preach. So yeah, I definitely felt acknowledged and seen and understood by the peers at DBSA. So it's been great. And you've been there so long, Maria, 10 years. (laughs) I know I'm, I'm a fifth grader at work. Um, so yeah, a very long time. And, um, uh, you know, people listening may or may not uh, know or, or understand that I, I live with a mental health condition. Um, 
And so, uh, you know, over this length of time, it's inevitable that that, that is uh, going to come into play at work. Um, as I was mentioning earlier, you know, the loss of interest, um, you know, inability to focus, uh, that, you know, that has, as much as I love DBSA, that has happened to me at work. And, you know, there have been times, sometimes extended periods of feeling fragmented and unfocused. You know, over the years, I, I started out as the uh, web uh, manager, and that moved into some visual communication stuff. And, uh, you know, last year I started uh, working in with our, our educational and wellness programming. So all those shifts um, uh, have created, I mean, you know, uh, growing pains. We all experience growing pains, whether yeah. we have, a, you know, a mood disorder or not. But when you do that, well, it just amplifies it. So ultimately, uh, you know, I ended up in a good place and I, you know, I felt proud of my accomplishments and, uh, you know, what I had done, but changing goals and responsibilities is a very bumpy journey. You know, aligning with your values as you're growing is, uh, well, it's not easy. Yeah. And I think that I love that you brought up values because, you know, that's what the occupational wellness area, I think, in our wellness wheel focuses on, you know, that, that we can find work that is meaningful to us. Um, I feel very fortunate that I've had, you know, kind of a more direct path, maybe than some folks, um, to get to be around the work that I care about. Um, but I think, you know, there's ways in which every area of your life can benefit from kind of thinking about the, the values that you have and applying that to whatever type of work you do. So. Right. Right. So we're in this new era though of <laughs> working from home, which I yeah. know is affecting many people. It's certainly affecting me. How have you been doing with that? Yeah. Um, uh, definitely. Uh, you know, I just, I, I'm so fortunate to, to still be able to work. Um, I do not take that for granted at all. And, you know, being, um, it's fortunate that we, we as an organization get to, to continue the services and, and resources uh, that we do. But yeah, working from home, um, uh, you know, I live alone. It, there, there are many things that, uh, that are, many parts of my wellness that are being affected from it. But you know, it affects the organic interaction that you have at work and, you know, you don't get peer support at the printer anymore. And, uh, you know, you don't get have quickies or drive-bys and, you know, through the cubes to talk about projects on where you're at and, you know, just, just quick uh, banter on, on where things need to go. And, you know, although it's good to see everyone's faces on Zoom, uh, meetings are different when you're not in the same room, you know, sharing that same uh, energy, not to be too woo-woo, but, you know, <laughs> when you have the same uh, uh, environmental setting, it, it, it just brings some, you know, some more cohesiveness and um, when you're, when you're sitting in the same environment. So, yeah, I am, I am looking forward to, to going back to the office. How about you? Yeah, when, whenever that day comes, um, I will be looking forward to it as well. Uh, yeah, I agree. I miss the peer support of uh, my coworkers the most. And, you know, being home, it just makes 
the in and out of day-to-day life kind of all feel like it's, you know, being pushed together. It's you know, like mm-hmm. one long continuous week that flows into the next. So it is weird, you know, um, in the beginning when this all started, I was really not doing great in March. And so when we first found out we had to stay home, I think my depression was like, oh, a nice little cocoon. And now <laughs> that is, now I'm, I constantly am remembering that this is our reality. And I'm like, oh, right, this is not normal. Um, so yeah, the day in and the day out of it is getting um, challenging, but you know, we're very lucky that we can do the work that we do from home. So I just try to focus on that gratitude piece when I'm having a hard time. And, and, and I just reach out to, to, to the coworkers that I have. And, and that can yeah. also be super helpful because we're, we're lucky in that, yeah. in that regard. Absolutely. And I, I guess, you know, something else to talk about, you know, the work environment, obviously, you know, being in our home and, you know, whether you're wearing pajama bottoms to, to external stakeholder meetings, uh, you know, there's, there's some, some funniness in that, but there's also, um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in my living room and I had to move, you know, make my dining room table a desk. And uh, so we are, we are living and and working in the same place. And um, uh, oh, I wish I could remember this meme I just saw, but it's, it's not working from home. It's living from work and, um, <laughs> yeah. being able to, to, to separate those two. It's been a, you know, a real, um, I had to make a real effort, uh, concerted effort to, to turn off my computer and, uh, cause you know, there's always stuff to do. So, um, separating that and and taking a breath between ending work and you know going to make dinner or whatever yeah Uh, yeah but on a on a plus um i gained my um commute time back so i have a couple hours my day back and i'm i am appreciating all of that right now not being on a uh, a crowded train on the way downtown every morning yeah that is my favorite benefit and uh Yesterday, at the end of the day, my partner and I, we decided to go on a walk, which is something I'm trying to implement more to kind of divide up that, that the work day, you know, so it feels like a real end. And we walked towards the train station that I normally walk to to go on my commute. And it had been the first time in a long time I had taken that route. And uh, yeah. yeah, that was kind of a triggering feeling. I do like having that commute time um, back for myself because I've been filling it with a little more self-care. So that's, that's good. Yeah. But. Yeah. Well, I did download, um, I don't want to give the name of it cause I'm not advertising it, but you know, listening to, to books on, on tape, um, not on tape. Oh my Lord. Did I just show my age, uh, <laughs> listening, listening to books. Uh, and I, I have discovered how much I love that. And I'm going to start doing that, uh, that, that wonderful day that we get to go back to the office. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks for talking about your experience with me, Maria. Um, (laughs) You too, Hannah. I'm excited to, um, in our next segment, talk to Alexandra Kopak. She's going to give us some great perspective. uh, I think for folks who maybe are having a little bit more 
a challenge in the occupational wellness space, uh, things they can think about um, in terms of framing our attitudes so we can get through work even while living with uh, depression or Yeah, I am looking forward to that as well. Hey, we want to thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope that you are enjoying this episode and that you are finding the information helpful and relatable. If you haven't already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to our show. This helps us improve the show and bring you better episodes in the future. Now back to Maria and Hannah. Alexandra Kopak has a Master's of Applied Positive Psychology from the University of Melbourne, Australia, and is a board-certified behavior analyst. She also holds professional certificates from Harvard and Berkeley in the topics of behavioral economics and the science of happiness. Currently, she is the Regional Director of ABA Services in San Diego and ACE Coordinator for EBS Healthcare and was a co-owner of WorkWell, an employee well-being analytic and advisory firm. She has spoken at international conferences, hosted workshops, and participated in research on the topics of well-being, trauma, neurobiology, and behavior change. Alexandra is passionate about combining the science of behavior with the science of well-being to make a meaningful impact in the lives of others and pursues this daily through her clinical and consulting work as well as creating and leading trainings for other professionals. Her mission is to evoke zest and curiosity for the artistry of behavior change so that progress is inevitable, willful, and fun. Thank you so much for joining us today, Alexandra. It is so good to have you here. Yeah, thank you. It's really, I'm really excited to be able to hang out and talk to you guys. This is really, this is really great. So I'll just jump in with the, the first question we have for you. Um, the occupational wellness section looks at how our work aligns with our values. Um, but can we unpack this a little bit? Obviously, we want to be doing work that is meaningful to us, but you know, not everyone has a job that provides a super high level of fulfillment, um, you know, especially for folks in our community who may be underemployed. Uh, due to mental health sy symptoms. Um, so what would you say to someone who doesn't necessarily see their values um, making meaning or aligning with their work? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think the, um, the first step with that would be to kind of know what your values are and understand like, what, you know, if, it's, if you're feeling like you're not connected with your work, if it's not producing that kind of excitement or it's aligning with who you are, to really sit back and think, okay, well, what are my values? What, you know, what is important to me? What does make me feel a sense of meaning or purpose? Um, and that's always like the, the best first step in my opinion is because sometimes you might think you know exactly what is valuable to you, but you know, if you really think about it or like take a values assessment or something like that, um, you can kind of unpack it a little bit and see it more detail, more granular about what's valuable to you. Um, like with me, I uh, there's some value assessments that I've taken. And for me, it's like um, analytical. I value communication. I value empathy. And because those are uh, some things I find most valuable, I tend to be stronger with those types of things. So in my work, I find ways to kind of infuse that. Um, so as far as feeling like you're not connected with your work or you know, you're underemployed, taking, a taking the time to see you know, what are strengths what are your values and where are there opportunities to put, infuse that into your 
because I think at the, at the realist, the real, <laughs> realistically, sorry, um, I don't think anyone loves their job all the time or really finds value and meaning in every single moment of every day of their lives or in their, their career. Um, it's more about finding opportunities of where you can infuse it. So by that, I would say, like, if you are feeling undervalued at work or not, not feeling undervalued, but feeling like it's not valuable for you, thinking like, okay, well, I'm, I'm really creative. Where can I slip that creativity into my day-to-day -day or into any small task of my day? Um, and kind of finding value in that, in that kind of sense. So many of us, you know, fortunately, so many of us got to uh, keep working from home. And we talk about work-life balance uh, all the time. And now uh, everybody, everybody who is working from home, there's no separation anymore. So work-life balance can, uh, you know, this is obviously affecting work, mental health, uh, et cetera. How, how, would you, how would you approach that if, if someone were to, to say, I can't, I can't turn my computer off and, and stop working or, or I have a hard time concentrating because I'm at home? Yeah, and I think that's the problem with working from home is that I think the work-life balance has really gotten worse for most people because even before COVID and before working from home was more the um, exception than the rule, uh, the research showed that I think it was the average person with a smartphone actually engages with work for 80 hours a week, which is absolutely astounding when mm. you think about it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That's and that, amazing. you know, that's before COVID. That's before people were really like tied to where they worked all the time. They actually had the physical disconnection from their office. And now like, well, I'm in my office all the time. Why shouldn't I be working? Um, so yeah, I think that's one of the biggest problems is that we feel this obligation to be productive and really tie our sense of value and worth to that productivity, to that output and forget that, you know, we're not machines. We're not meant to be on all the time. Like, it, it's hard to not feel that it's hard to have that separation when you're working from home. Um, I don't, have you guys had that experience? That's how I feel. I feel like I'm just connected <laughs> to my phone. <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I do answer emails at night. Uh, you know, obviously projects need to get done and working in a mental health place, uh, as I'm sure you're aware, mental health um, conditions, you know, the depression, anxiety from, from everything uh, has not slowed down. If anything, it has gotten worse. So, um, so we've been extra busy uh, trying to, to uh, put our, our wellness tools and um, uh, communications out there to, to keep people, um, try to help people stay well. So absolutely, I feel it here. Hannah, how about you? Yeah, absolutely. And what you were saying about, you know, just the, the phenomenon that we're not separating the space that we work from the place that we live. I think that's something uh, that we touched on um, in, in the beginning. It, it, it can be an overwhelming feeling if, if you're in the same place all day long and you, and you don't have that differentiation. Um, in your work, do you have any um, examples of how you know, people might approach ways in which to kind of alleviate that, that feeling where you're just in the same place all day, uh, you know, kind of tips to make the day seem a little bit different. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that comes down to like, uh, so like I'm a, I'm a behavior analyst, so all we do is manipulate the environment pretty much to change behaviors. <laughs> and so if, you know, you find yourself kind of getting into those ruts of 
really kind of um, self-destructive behaviors or, you know, not the best healthy behaviors or maladaptive behaviors, whatever you want to call it, the best thing you can do is change your environment. So I think that's one of the big um, hurdles with COVID is that we're all in the same environment all the time. And I think that's Mm -hmm. why we see everyone getting a little crazy, but um, it can be really tough to not feel that like stir crazy feeling if the environment's always the same. So when it comes to work, I would say, you know, First of all, it's important to really schedule yourself. I think uh, people forget that, you know, especially if you're on salary, you're getting paid for typically it's 40 hours a week. You have no reason and no business to be working 60, 80, whatever hours a week. So really be mindful of that and set your hours and you can set your calendar. That's what I do on my computer now with my office is that I have set hours of work. I'm unavailable before and after those hours. You know, you can contact me, but understand that I will not get back to you until the next day. And that's just kind of a boundary that you have to set. And that's the other thing too, is being okay with setting those boundaries because it's your right, you know, and you're not, like I said, you're not a machine. You're not beholden to make them all the money in the world while there's a pandemic going on. Um, So just kind of keeping that in mind, you can feel okay to set boundaries. Um, And the other thing is having like a very designated space to work in as well. We talked about that is, you know, um, for me right now, like I'm in our upstairs office and then we have a stand-up desk here and then it's a very designated space. That way you can have that kind of disconnect. You know, it, it can be really difficult if you're living in a, a space where maybe you live in a studio apartment with your significant other to have that, you know, designated space to yourself. Even if it's just a table with a plant or something that you can like see and like that's your workspace and that's it. Like it's, it, it gets a little muddled when you're sitting in your bed or sitting on your couch because then you can't get comfortable in the space that you work. You're kind of just always in that headspace. So really make sure that you're in that workspace and have that available to you. And that being said, like with the environmental change, if it's no longer working for, for you and you already have that set space, you can rearrange it. That's the nice thing about having a set space for it. You can make it look different. So um, finding what works for you and kind of adapting it, you know, if you need a window, maybe you need some like something fun on your desk to play with or a stress ball, like those kinds of things can be really, really helpful for, you know, feeling better about the environment that you're in. Yeah. We have a, we have a coworker and uh, she lives in a studio and so she's has no choice but to work where she lives, uh, live where she works. And she throws a blanket over her um, office stuff at the end of the day. (laughs) That's very, very smart. Yeah. I don't, I, I, my heart goes out to everyone that's living studios or you know like one bedroom apartment with three kids I can't and you know Uh, those people deserve (laughs) they're they're first in line at the pearly gates because I honestly don't know I don't I don't have kids I have a dog and I'm still like everyone needs to be quiet for five minutes (laughs) I don't know how anyone does it um but yeah yeah well you, you know that that is another good point that you know um Hannah and I didn't talk about in in the beginning uh is when you do have kids and when you do have family here, what can you do? I guess, what, what could you do? Um, take more breaks or something that breathe, go breathe outside for, for four minutes. 100%. And that's something, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's something that I tell, like all, I do a lot of like parent consultation. And um, one thing I always tell them is block out something in your schedule for at least 15 minutes every day, no matter what you like 15 minutes isn't, that much time like it, you have to be able to have five or 15 minutes somewhere in your day 
where you have something that you do is exclusively for you. And whether, you know, maybe you're in the studio and you just go into the bathroom and turn the fan on and just sit in there by yourself for 15 minutes, do that. Or if it's go outside and go for a walk block and just take some deep breaths or cry or whatever you have to do, but taking those just 15 minutes to be by yourself and have a moment that's only yours and that is nobody else's and that you can just really kind of breathe for a second because we're all, you know, in all these households, unless you're living alone, there's always somebody on top of you. <laughs> there's always, you know, there's always yeah. people. So, and it's always the same people too. So if you don't really carve that time out for yourself, it can be easy to kind of just get lost in every, everything else or, you know, I'm sitting here, maybe I should vacuum or I, I should vacuum, but I don't want to. And now I'm feeling bad that I'm not vacuuming and I'm just going to be upset. So it's good to just kind of have time to step away. Like that's, I have to go for walks with my dog every day, like for at least, you know, 20, 20, 30 minutes. Cause otherwise I'll go nuts. <laughs> you just kind of really <laughs> carving that time out. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think Hannah, you talked about um, going for a walk after work to separate, um, you know, to separate uh, work day from, from house day because you you work yeah. in your ki- you work in your kitchen yeah and the worst place to work as we've mentioned <laughs> now on both podcasts <laughs> because I still look at the food all day um, so yeah from like you know especially because one of the first things I sometimes do after work is cook dinner it just becomes this messy place where it's like, like I can still see notes on, on the counter from earlier work meetings and I'm trying to cut potatoes. And so, yeah, the division <laughs> of going on a walk can kind of help me get out of the mental space of work. So trying, yeah. trying to do that, um, definitely adding that to that's, my day. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, I think that's a really, really good salient point. Cause that's something that I do with a lot of my clients actually, is we have signal, like you know, you signal like there's always a routine of like we're beginning, you know, we're starting our session. We have a very specific routine that we do and a very like wind down routine of like what we do at the very end of the session. So we can kind of signal, you know, work day done or, you know, the session's done and go on your way. And having that kind of routine like that is a really good way, even like psychologically, cognitively, what it does for the brain is really good. So you have, you're on the right track. My bit like for that kind of thing, I would suggest if you're cooking and you see your notes, like find a place, even if it's a box, like kind of like or a blanket, like you said just throwing a blanket of notes, what that becomes is, um, and behavior analysis, we call it a discriminative stimulus. You see something and it signals that you're supposed to be doing something. So you, you're seeing your work notes. So whether or not you, like, whether or not you realize it, it's signaling something in your brain that you're supposed to be doing something or you're thinking something else, or, you know, you're like, you're supposed to behave in a certain way when you see that. So you see your notes and you're no longer present and, you know, mindful of like cooking potatoes. Now you're like, oh, there's work over there too. And I'm cutting potatoes. I'm going to have to clean starts that internal dialogue. So definitely find a different space for your notes while you're cooking. If you can now where possible or cover them up with a dish towel. <laughs> <laughs> it would be more fun to knock it off the counter. Right. And, yeah. Uh, you know, just, just get some energy out of there. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, that is so interesting though, but I wonder about the inverse of that too, for working from home right now, because what if you're working from home and having maybe a hard time focusing on work and you see, you know, the pile of laundry and you see your vacuum in the corner and you're like, maybe I'll just take that for a spin. Um, you know, <laughs> do you have any recommendations 
you know, for folks who are maybe feeling that way, that their attention, you know, and that, and that makes a lot of sense during this time period, you know, we're in our home, so it is harder to focus on work. Yes. But any reframing for the, for the alternate version? For the vacuum, um, <laughs> vacuum people. I do. I, I do vacuum. I I'm actually looking at my vacuum. <laughs> I can see my vacuum right now. I'm like, oh yeah, that does sound mm. good. Um, but as, so I think one of the big things with that is kind of how we talked about like blocking off your schedules and you're blocking off your time. And if you know that like vacuuming or whatever it is that's in your environment, if there's a pile of laundry, like blocking out time in your day to kind of do those things too. Or if there's a time in your day when you're working and you can do that, like if you can hold laundry while you're chatting with somebody because you're on the phone, do that, you know, like <laughs> you try that and you're not fully giving them all the attention, but if it's a mindful task, like folding clothes, like sometimes that can be kind of soothing. But as far as like your, the productivity piece of it is I think what it really comes down to um, is that you can, people really get worked up with that about like, oh, I'm getting distracted. I'm doing these other things from home. And I think that should be the norm now, honestly. Like, I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Cause I mean, if you are in an office space, how much, how much are you really focusing on your work? If you have someone in a cubicle next to you, like, I know that when I'm in the office or when I was in offices, people were messing around all the time. I was like, people probably work honestly three hours out of the day. And that's, <laughs> studies actually show that is people show up for eight hours of work and people only do on the average two to three hours of actual work per day. So realistically, it's not that much different at home. We're just doing different things and feeling this weird sense of guilt about it because it's your laundry or your vacuuming when really it's like, you're not chatting with someone at the water cooler or, you know, chatting on Google, whatever meet, but it's, so I think it's a different kind of distraction, which should be okay. Like now the new norm is having kids in the background and animals walking around and all stuff. And I think it's just kind of part of it. But if it is something where you're like so distracted that you're not getting any work done, it's really kind of like weighing on you, then just making sure that you carve your time out. You know, I'm going to do, they call it focus blocks is what you could do is really just carving out, even if it's um, 20 minutes, 30 minutes at a time that you're doing work, uh, just work. And then you can allow yourself to take a break. Um, way you're at least dedicating some of it because they show the study shows that it studies show that it takes about 15 to 20 minutes to get like into the zone um, and then as soon as you're distracted it takes you that same 20 minutes to get back into the zone so really just kind of carving start time out to focus on your work and then stepping away and coming back is can be really valuable well I think if nothing else you've really validated people's um, water cooler breaks the amount that they take <laughs> Yes, I mean, it's astounding. That's why in Sweden, they, they shortened the work week or the, the work day to only six hours because they were like, well, what's the point? Like people are actually more productive at work in six hours than they were in eight because yeah. there's so much of that fluff time that everyone's just kind of, uh, whatever, <laughs> just, I, I have to be here. And I think that's one of the things I think that we should stop gauging people should stop kind of engaging like, oh, I'm, I'm not doing enough work. I should be working eight hours a day when realistically, like nobody really does that. Nobody ever did do that. And it's just like, why do we just need a physical body at the office doing work if we can do the same amount of work in three hours and then have the rest of those five to spend time with our children or our animals or with ourselves. So I think it's yeah. fine. I can't wait for everybody's bosses to hear this. Uh, I know they're going to be like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah, we need a special recording to send yeah. to bosses. <laughs> the boss version. Um, I do have a question that kind of relates back to um, the, the values. I think 
Um, since I've started working from home and I, you know, I think COVID has definitely, um, is, is poking me with this, but there's been, like, I hadn't had, um, Sunday night dread in a long time and I'm finding myself, um, having that. And I, uh, which is, I still love everything that I do, but there's still this anxiety. I mean, today, especially is, um, what's wrong, Maria? Like that you, everything is, is going okay. Why is this, um, feeling of, of doom or, or, or something that's, you know, yes, mood disorder stuff, but you know, could something be working from home, um, also have something to do with that? I'm sure it does. And also not to, you know, discredit the state of the world right now, you know, like we're yeah. in the middle of a crazy pandemic, there's political upheaval, there were more mm -hmm. polarized and, you know, there's a lot going on. Like, yeah. so don't, I yeah, wouldn't yeah. discredit that on like the true like state. I feel like everyone's kind of living in that state of like, I feel like I'm on the precipice or like on the edge of something crazy and about to fall over. I've talked, you, so many of my friends and family have like said those exact same thing. Um, I do think working from home can kind of make that a little bit worse because um, for me anyway, like, like I said, changing environments is what I do for a living. And so not being able to physically be with someone and help them with that is really, it's been a challenge for me. Um, so there's a, I feel like sometimes working from home, there's almost like a sense of powerlessness and that maybe that's just me kind of talking from my own personal experience. But I think that does kind of come when you're stuck in your own home in the same environment all the time. Like, well, what impact am I making everywhere else? And then also kind of what we talked about before with the, um, with the, the, and just kind of being stuck in the house all the time. It's like, you're just kind of always in a state of work. So the sense is like, well, I, should, I didn't do anything over the weekend that related to work. Maybe I should have, maybe I wouldn't have so much work on my plate now, but at the end of it, it's just kind of being able to separate your weekends and your weekdays from your evenings and your day, like your work time. So it's, I think that's where it comes in, those Sunday scaries, is because they never really went away, even during the weekend, <laughs> and then they're just kind of like worse now, because you're always just kind of in that state of work stress at home, which is uh, very awful, but when it comes to values, though, the thing that can make that, I always try to tell people, like, you know, if you're worried about something, or if you're stressed about something, it's because you care a lot about something, and mm -hmm. that's not always a bad thing. Um, it's okay to, you know, it, it, it's easy to look at a lot of those feelings as like, oh, I shouldn't feel so nervous about this, or I shouldn't feel so stressed, and reframing it as a way is like, uh, I'm, I'm excited, like I, like for this podcast, for instance, like I get a little <laughs> bit, I you get the butterflies in your stomach, and my heart rate goes up, and I could think of that as anxiety, but I, you know, I choose to think about it as like, I'm really excited to do this, and that's why I feel this way, um, so kind of reframe it, and if you are anxious, it can be like, well, I'm anxious because I'm in a place in the world right now where no one's ever been like you know no one's ever lived in this kind of experience before like that's going on right now in the world and it's a very natural reaction for me to have so it just means that I'm doing the best I can to through this so feeling those values out and seeing how it can help you throughout the day I think that's yeah. a long way to answer your question but <laughs> no I um thank you for outing yourself on on the butterflies uh <laughs> I I do have that experience and like doing interviews and podcasts and, and, and that, that's one of my favorite things. It's, it's one of the things I really love. And that's sort of where that question came from too, of like, Maria, everything's fine. You're doing things that you love. What, what's, you know, what is this? And I, yeah. oh yeah, pandemic and um, political and racial unrest. So all those things as well. Uh, yeah. And that's, um, 
to like circle back to like the like acceptance and commitment therapy. Oh, I guess we haven't talked about it yet, but acceptance and commitment therapy, part of that, accepting those feelings like, yep, it's okay. And like allowing them to be there. And then, okay, well, here are my values. This is what I know that I, that I truly value in my life and what I want to work towards. So what, what can I control here? Because I think so much of it is about what we can't control on the outside. What can you control that can contribute to the values that you hold so true to your heart? And that can make all the difference in the world, really. Yeah. Well, and it's funny you bring up um, acceptance and commitment therapy. Um, you talk about um, the mindfulness-based approaches. Uh, what, what might these principles be helpful as we continue to live through COVID? I mean, especially as we continue to work from home. What are some mindfulness exercises or, or tips, the way to, to stay present? It's so tough with being present, but one of the, I mean, the simplest thing that anyone can do, honestly, is just really learn to actually count their breaths. And that's something that, um, some, it's a behavioral thing that like we, you just talk about like, okay, well, what is meditation or what is mindfulness? And it can get a little wibbly and behavior analysts hate to talk about it because we can only talk about things that are like physical and are observable and measurable. <laughs> but with mindfulness, you can actually just pay attention to breathing in through your nose and out through your mouth, like counts of three. And just only thinking about that and only thinking about the, like, where you are in that moment breathing. And then you can kind of start to feel your heart rate go down and you can really kind of physically feel what's going on in your body. And by doing that, you'll start to learn more about your, you know, what's going on inside your body and like what's going on physically. And so when you start to feel anxious or depressed, you can kind of come back to just taking deep breaths and being mindful about where you are and thinking about, okay, slowing it down. And then once you come out of it thinking, what do I want to do? Like, what's my next move? How do I make a new change? How do I take a step in the right direction to get myself out of whatever I'm feeling or to, you know, to work towards what I want rather than against what is happening right now. And I think that's the big thing. Um, Because with acceptance and commitment therapy, the the one really great kind of um, metaphor that they talk about is um, put down, like let go of the rope. So essentially what happens with a lot of people especially when you're feeling anxiety or depression and this whole, like there's all this stuff going on and you kind of fight with it. Like you don't like, I shouldn't feel depressed or I shouldn't feel this or, you know, I'm working from home. I should feel great about this. And so, and then, but you do feel anxious. So you're, you know, the, the anxiety is pulling you back and then you pull against it. Um, acceptance and commitment therapy says, well, why don't you just put down the rope? Um, stop that back and forth fighting mm. with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I love just, that. Yeah. Isn't it great? They are, yeah. they are, geniuses, the people that invented this stuff, I love it. But it's so, you know, and I think once you learn to just kind of like, okay, I'm anxious right now, or I feel really, I'm panicking right now, like I'm fully panicking, um, to be like, okay, this is how I'm feeling. What, you know, what step can I make next? And really not, instead of like, I need to not feel panic, I need to calm myself down, because, you know, it's a, that old thing, you know, don't think of an elephant, what's the first thing you do? Um, so if you're telling yourself, don't panic, don't panic, don't panic, all you're going to do is make yourself, <laughs> make yourself much worse because you can't calm yourself down. So instead of being just kind of say like, okay, I'm panicking, accept it, but then commit to the actions that you know will help you get out of that, you know, and really kind of thinking about, they call it self as context, like thinking about yourself in a way that actually makes sense. Like you're panicking, but that's okay. Like, you know, that you can move forward. Um, so yeah, lots of different little techniques, but that's one of my best, like, if you're struggling with all of this and you're panicking at home or you're, you know, you're stressed about work and whatever, just drop the rope, make the steps in the right direction. And it can be little steps, even if it's just 
firing off one email to your boss or brushing your teeth, like one little thing just to kind of move towards what's valuable to you. Drop of the rope. I'm saying that to myself all the time now. Can I drop that rope? Yeah, this is it's going to be known as the drop the rope podcast. There you go. It's yeah. I, the first time the I heard that, title. I was like, there you go. Yeah. That's when the first time I heard that like light bulb in my head, I was like, oh, wow. Yeah. That makes so much more sense. Um, <laughs> I took um, a continuing education class about acceptance and commitment therapy. And the panic was like the guy that he's one of the, like the founding fathers of ACT. He was saying that he kind of came to it when he was having his himself a panic attack sitting and like thought he was having a heart attack went to the ER and got to the ER like, nope, you're having a panic attack. And he was like, it's crazy that I'm a psychologist and I teach people how to not do this. And I'm the one in the hospital right now. And so he kind of, instead one time he started to have a panic attack and said, he just sat there and sat on the floor in the aisle and kind of just like allowed himself to feel it. And then just was able to kind of learn how to take the steps in the right direction to change that. And like, you know, to, in a way that was more meaningful instead of just like pushing it down and pushing it down and tug and tug and tug and just put down the rope, move on. So it's cool to hear people that are professionals in this industry that have had those experiences. You know, it's very, we've, I think everyone kind of thinks that, you know, I'm anxious, I'm, I'm a wreck, nobody's like this. Like, we're all messes, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's just that, you know, moving forward and learning how to do the best you can with what you have and changing what you can, you know, that the, the serenity prayer, you know? accept the things you cannot change and change the things you can. Like that's the best yeah. we can do in this world, you know? Yes. Yeah. That's the best way to frame it. And I think goes to our conversation, uh, you know, that Maria and I had earlier in the podcast that, yeah, it's, it's hard in our, in our work that is so valuable, so um, rewarding and that we are so privileged to do. We still have to think about, you know, the mental health symptoms all day and, and that can be a strain. So I think this is, this is some good sage advice um, that, you, that you've given us here. Oh, Agreed. good. I'm so, so glad that you think so. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> yeah, I think that um, with all, yeah, everything going on, I feel like everyone just, that's the hardest part of right now is there's so much going on that we can't change and that can be really overwhelming. And there, but then especially like, we're in our own environments now all the time. So yes, it does present a lot of problems, but it also presents a new opportunity to kind of make changes that you can. So, um, you know, I've, I've gotten to reorganize my house in a way I never thought I could, because I didn't know where else. <laughs> um, but also I've gotten to do cool things with work that I've never gotten to do before, um, kind of exploring new opportunities to create webinars and, you know, podcasts and um, <laughs> opportunities. So lots of different things can come up from things that you can change, which is a great and kind of really um, empowering thing to realize that, oh, I, there are things that I can change and kind of taking those steps to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and letting go of the rope. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and letting go of the rope. Exactly. Anna's going to get that in at least five more times be before we get off there this podcast here. <laughs> I think so. And then maybe I'll make a, a hoodie with that phrase on it. There you go. <laughs> well, and I, you know, you brought up things, things that you've been able to do because of working from home. And I mentioned earlier with Hannah, the, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten two day, two hours of my day back every day. Uh, well, Monday through Friday. And, uh, you know, I can take my time making coffee and, uh, you know, just rolling into work. And I, I actually end up starting earlier than when, uh, when I actually, when I worked in the office, but so that's making me think of 
oh geez, a gratitude list. How many times have we heard that? But but thinking about the things that um, uh, is it is gift too strong of a word? <laughs> thinking about the benefits of uh, of where we're at right now, this time to to sit back. Uh, you know, we we don't have a choice but to see everything that's going on. We don't have the same you know distractions and. So taking time and to appreciate that and, uh, you know, it's hard work, but it's, we're all, you know, growing pains are painful and, um, but work out well in the end. Yeah. And I know you said like, oh, how many times can we talk about a gratitude list? But I think the reason they're talked about so much is because it's actually like, there's something, yes. to that, you know, it really, there's they've shown like scans of the brain where it really like it rewires the neurons. So the neuroplasticity of it and really teaching yourself to find those things to be grateful for is a really valuable tool, really. I mean, because you can look at it like, oh, I'm working from home and it's always loud and it makes me feel sad. Or you'd be like, well, I'm working from home to work out. I got to work in the couch in my sweatpants today. And, <laughs> you know, I felt really good. <laughs> Even if you don't do that every day, you just kind of get to have a day where you do that kind of stuff. So it's it's good to kind of have that and rewire yourself for gratitude because it can be really a game changer when it comes to how you feel about the state of the world and state of your work and all of that. Yeah, I um, I think two conference calls I was on this week with um, uh, you know with external stakeholders that sometimes you see that you don't see people's face or cameras not on and inevitably someone's I can't see you and two different people this week have said I have not showered I'm still in my pajamas <laughs> this is where we're at and you know it's just that I, it's so refreshing to hear people be vulnerable and uh uh it, it just it's validating to hear someone else um talking about how I feel or you know just uh, we're human and um, and we're not alone. I'm excited yeah. too about what the, what this and all of that will do to workplace culture going forward. You know, yes. that, that we are feeling a little bit more comfortable with one another because we're presenting so much of our, you know, our home life to our coworkers these days. Yeah. It'll be interesting yeah. to see how that, that shifts the way we yeah. approach work. I think it'll probably be for the better. I, I definitely feel super connected to my coworkers in this time period. Yeah, I agree. And I think that you're, I think you're right about the workplace culture. I think that there's going to be a huge shift in what's going on. Like I think the 40 hour work week and like set work office hours are going to be out the window. Like now everyone knows that that's a farce and we don't have to do that. <laughs> um, I think that that's going to kind of, you know, fade away. And also just you know, being physically present in the office all the time, I think a lot of teams have proved that they're even more productive when they're not at the office because they don't have four hours of commute time if they're living in the suburbs and driving into the city every day. So now yeah. they can just work instead. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of cool things happening with it. And like, especially the human element, like you said, we are getting to see our friend, like, hear our friends, coworker, our, our, their baby waking up or, you know, their dog <laughs> just threw up on the couch and you're like, great. Everything's so much more human and relatable now. It's not just uh, it's not just like someone that shares a cubicle down the way. It's like, oh, that's Barbara. She totally forgot that her camera was on and she was wearing her pajamas. So, like, it's oh, fun Barbara. to kind of have, yeah. love Barbara. <laughs> so it's fun. Like I remember one of my calls at some point. I can't remember what group I was talking to, but someone opened up a can and didn't realize his camera was on. Just started drinking a beer, and I I don't know 
what time zone he was on, but I was like, I don't know what time it is there, but here it's 9.30 in the morning. So everyone's gotten really casual. <laughs> but it's fun though. It's funny to see just kind of everyone as the flawed, wonderful people that we really are instead of this facade that we put on at the office. So it, it, I think it's really been great for a lot of people. Yeah, I think what was disorienting at first, uh, you know, because we do have this work persona and when we're at home, it's only natural. We can't just shift after, you know, March 18th when we're suddenly working from home. So, yeah, we've learned to uh, make light of uh, and enjoy actually <laughs> seeing seeing everybody's homes and, and work life. And yeah, that's been Wow, suddenly I feel really good about COVID. <laughs> that was great, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it does come with its challenges. And I know, like, I definitely yeah. suffer from, like, Zoom fatigue sometimes. Like, yes. I'll have, um, especially if I'm doing telehealth, I'll have been on Zoom for eight hours, like, or six hours out of my day. And one of my friends would be like, do you want to get on a video call? I'm like, never. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> so it can be draining. It's hard because it's, it's, like, it's great because it's this human element. But it was also, um, there was some study that someone just sent me recently that showed that um, we lack the capacity or the, our capacity for empathy and like connection is actually uh, lessened when we're on a screen. Like you don't get the same chemical mm. reaction as your brain when you're physically with someone, which is what they think is happening with Zoom fatigue. It's just like your brain's confused. Like it doesn't understand. Like I see a face, but it's not quite connected wow. piece. So it is interesting in that regard to kind of realize like, oh, that maybe that's why I don't feel like I want to be on Zoom all the time. <laughs> But, yeah. Well, and then there's the, like the eye contact you, everybody's yeah. sort of looking a different way. And, and you, you know, I, even one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, someone is looking down and they're looking at you, but it looks like, it, you know, so that there is that weird, um, cognitive dissonance that, that happens when, yeah. 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 I, um, I actually learned that the eye contact thing, the funny thing about this Watching, I think it was John Stewart and Trevor Noah were doing a Zoom call or something. And Trevor Noah told John Stewart, hey, look at your camera. I can't stand it when people are looking down at me during interviews. He's like, oh, I never even thought about that. You should just look at the camera and then it looks like I'm looking at you. Um, so <laughs> actually, um, what I'll do if I have a lot of Zoom calls where I know that I need, like, need to be looking at someone, put a sticky note behind my computer that says, look at the camera. So it's my little <laughs> visual prompt to remind myself like, oh, this doesn't like, this is like looking down at them doesn't always appeal to everybody. Like remember, people kind of want to see your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's a, and like a kind of like circle back to like the work, working from home and like what you can do yourself prompting like that, like I was saying, like little visual prompts um can be really helpful and I know it's kind of it sounds cheesy sometimes but having little post-its that remind you to do something even if it's just like breathe or like relax your shoulders or unclench your jaw like those kinds of things can really mm. just kind of take you from that state of like oh I'm so stressed to like do that sticking like oh, okay um those kinds of things can be really surprisingly helpful um and as like if you especially if you know like where you hold your tension like for me I know that I I just have all of my shoulders and I'm just kind of like it seems like I'm like shivering and like huddled over and it's like take a breath and stand up straight then I feel so much better immediately um so yeah any kind of little prompt that can help is so, so helpful I just sat up straight thank you <laughs> yeah. reminding me. verbal prompting <laughs> all these behavior analytic tools aren't they great <laughs> yeah <laughs> they are um well this has been uh this has been amazing is there anything else you want to 
uh, tell our listeners before before we uh, before we go? Yeah, I guess one last kind of thing that I meant to, I can't remember at what point I wanted to mention this, but um, I know that with values and the kind of people think of like goals and especially during COVID, we're linking our, like I said, our value to our productivity and um, we need to like be mindful that it's a pandemic. No one expects us to be as productive as we used to be. Like, that's fine. But also like if you're having these big goals that you have um, and you're feeling them tied to your work in some, in some way and it just seems like too overbearing, just remember, we always call them like hairy, audacious goals. So if you have a really big goal that you're trying to meet during pandemic or just with your work, or if it's trying to find a new job, whatever that is, break that gigantic Everest goal down into 10 to 20 to 30 different little goals. Because what we see is, you know, if you have these really big overarching goals, they become very vague and model. So they're mm-hmm. really difficult to achieve. Um, you know, it's really difficult to become in your career, whatever your carry audacious goal is, you know, or you could call it an Everest goal too, you know, whatever you want to call it. But breaking it down, like, okay, well, what does it mean to be a good employee? It means answering, it means answering emails within 48 hours. Cool. Start doing that. It means, you know, actually getting out of my bed. Cool. Do that every day. You know, like really breaking it very small, manageable steps that way, able to tick those boxes off. And you kind of get that behavioral momentum, like you're actually achieving something rather than, okay, let's go for this huge goal and you're never going to actually achieve anything. So you're going to get discouraged. And then of course, it's going to kind of feel like, well, I'm discouraged. I'm never going to meet this goal. So you give up on it. So yeah. instead of that little manageable steps, there's another, I forget what the book called, but they call it the 20 mile, 20 mile rule or something like that. Um, a mm-hmm. guy that was climbing, I think it was Kilimanjaro and he was in a race and him and his partner did 20 mile a day every day, no more, no less, no matter if they were tired or if they had extra energy and the other people just like really went for it to kind of get ahead. And they ended up beating these people by like, I think it was like a week. Um, hmm. So at 20 miles wow. a day. Yeah. Just like those manageable steps, something, you know, you can do, even think you can go like, you know, just kind of really manage time, managing your goals, making sure that it's realistic for you, not for reaching. Um, you'll get your goals much faster that way than if you're really like, both ends just going for it like you're going to burn yourself out so really making sure that if you have a really big everest goal or hairy audacious goal break it down a lot this thing that's more manageable for you because otherwise you know it's it, it can be really really um discouraging and you can it's easy to feel rejected when you're not meeting a goal so make it manageable make it doable and that's um I, I think that was mentioned on our last podcast as well. So um taking note. No, yeah. that yeah, <laughs> that slow and steady turtle always wins the race. So one hundred percent. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really good point. Small well, changes you. can add yeah. up. <laughs> they that. do. They do. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much for spending the time with us today, Alexandra. We greatly appreciate you sharing your expertise with the DBSA audience. Thank you very much for having me. This has been so fun. So I appreciate it. And hopefully we all get to chat again sometime very soon. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right.